Hi, everyone. This is Dennis Mink, VP of Marketing at Liftoff. And today I've got Nick Adkins, who is a marketing analyst for SeatGeek. Uh, Nick works primarily on mobile, but he does work across multiple channels. Nick, how are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Uh, doing well, doing well. So now you are based in New York City, is that right? Uh, that's correct, yes. Great. Um, so, well, why don't we get started? I'd love to. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at SeatGeek? Uh, definitely. So, uh, I am a marketing analyst here at SeatGeek. I've been here for just under a year now. Um, I've worked on a handful of different channels. A large part of it is mobile user acquisition, uh, but I also dabble in SEO. Uh, and a few other things. Uh, retargeting and re-engagement is uh, something that we're trying to put together right now, and I'm uh, trying to lead those efforts. Great. It's, um, it's, sounds like a big job. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, exciting things happening, you know, all the time. So it's it's never a dull moment here. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, there's now we here at Liftoff. We know SeatGeek very well. We work with you guys, but. Uh, for those who are not familiar, why don't you uh, tell us about, about SeatGeek and, and the app and, and service? Sure, yeah. Uh, so SeatGeek is a search engine for tickets for live events, uh, you know, be it you know, professional sports, college sports, uh, you know, live music, or you know, Broadway shows and stand-up comedy. So we really run the gamut, and we've got you know, most of the events across the country uh, listed in the site. Um, we aggregate tickets from all different kinds of sources. Uh, so we have a huge amount of inventory for a bunch of different things. And uh, one of the cool things that we do is uh, we have something called deal score. So we uh, we take all of the tickets that we list and we you know uh, apply this algorithm to them to, so that we can understand not only uh, is this a cheap ticket, is this an expensive ticket, but relative to other tickets that are on sale that are similar, uh, you know, how good of a deal is it? Um, uh, so that's like a cool thing that we do. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, the idea is that we're trying to provide the uh, the best ticketing experience that you could possibly imagine for, for really any kind of events um, that you want to go to. So uh, that's, that's, so when, when, you, uh, when you think about providing the best user experience, what exactly does that look like on mobile? Sure. Uh, so we have uh, iOS apps and Android apps, and I guess like the iOS app is, you know, the one I'm, you know, most familiar with and that's uh, easiest to talk about. Uh, but basically, we will uh, you know, list all the events that are upcoming in your area. Uh, we'll have a separate tab where uh, we have information on the teams and performers and events that you've tracked uh, so that you can just sort of quickly scroll through and you know, you, you know what's happening with, with teams that you're interested in or, or musicians that you're interested in. Um, you know, when are the next events that are in your area? And then um, you know, you click on one if you're interested in seeing it. Uh, you'll be presented with a map of the venue, um, and then dots on the map that'll tell you, you know, sort of where there are available tickets and what the deal score on those tickets is. So, a uh, green dot means that you'll see a really good deal. A red dot means you'll see uh, not such a great deal. Um, and then, so you can sort of sort the tickets either by price or by deal score. Um, you know, whatever you're most comfortable with, um, and then you can limit the price range that you're willing to pay for tickets uh, to see sort of within that range, you know, what's the best deal score available. Um, you know, click on the tickets, uh, you know, two taps with Apple Pay and you're checked out and you uh, have your tickets. And in a lot of cases at this point, um, you know, we have e-tickets instead of hard copies that we need to mail you. Uh, so we can just have 
uh, mobile barcode uploaded into the app uh, that you can you know have and either keep for yourself or share with a friend. Um, and so that's that's the current sort of workflow. Right. right. It's great. Now, as a as a marketer that's focused on user acquisition, what what exactly does your 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 funnel look like, like from a mobile perspective? Sure. Um, so obviously, user acquisition is the first step, and that's uh, you know where a lot of our resources are dedicated at this point. Um, you know, we market to as many relevant audiences as we possibly can. Um, uh, you know, that's sports fans and music fans and Broadway fans. So it's a very, very you know broad pool of people that we're trying to, you know, get involved and interested in the app. So uh, you know, we go out to you know, Facebook or Liftoff or, you know, any other partner that's offering mobile inventory and we say, hey, we'd really like to run these install ads. Um, so getting people to use the app is, you know, the first big hurdle. Um, getting them to register the app, so open it, you know, you know, submit their email address so that we can, you know, follow up, uh, you know, with a welcome email flow, that sort of stuff um, is really the next hurdle. Um, and then, you know, just kind of reminding them, hey, these are the cool features of the site or the app, um, you know, the more involved you get, like the more valuable this app can be for you. Uh, so we like to get people to, you know, track performers, track events, and then we can send them relevant information about that sort of stuff. Um, and then, you know, from there, they're moving on to uh, the, I guess, ticket purchasing, you know, levels. So, like, I guess if you're highly considering tickets to a Modest Mouse concert or something, uh, you know, you'd, you'd click on the performer, you'd see the events that are upcoming in your area. Um, you click on a specific event, and then you can find the ticket that's right for you, and then just check out. And it's we want that part to be as seamless as possible. Um, sure. But it's yeah, you know, sure. So so of course, so the, the starting point of, of course is uh, getting someone to install the app, and then search for tickets. Uh, I would assume add tickets to cart, register or log in, and then check out. Uh, yeah, generally speaking, we like people to register a little bit earlier in the funnel. So we'll mm. get someone to install. We'll get them to register. Um, uh, you know, they'll pick out the tickets they want um, and sort of add them to a cart, if you will, and then and then purchase the tickets. Yeah, and that's that's the flow. Okay. Have you? I, I'm I'm curious. So in, so with wanting people to register earlier in the process, is this something that you've done a lot of testing around or have you found that people that register go on to purchase at a higher rate or spend more than those that don't register early in the process? Uh, yeah, so we, we definitely find that registered users are much more active, much more valuable. Um, and generally speaking, uh, you know, we get a lot more information on them. So if we if we know more about you, we're, we're able to give you more valuable information on what events are coming up that you would be interested in. So we, we really like to sort of push the registration, you know, as early as possible so that we can be as valuable to that user as possible. Um, and, and are you guys asking for email address as part of the registration process? I, yeah, so we have two flows for that. Um, you can either sign in or register with Facebook or you can do so with your personal email address. Um, We'll accept either, uh, you know, but uh, you know whatever is easier for a user to do or more, more they're more comfortable doing is uh, what we'll go with. Um, sure, sure. So how 
how important are, are installs to SeatGeek? Um, installs are really important to us. Um, you know, that's, I guess, like the first benchmark that we look at uh, on a weekly basis in the marketing meetings uh, that we have here. You know, we really want to know um, how many people are downloading the app and what's the average price that we're paying for an install on each of our channels. Um, uh, it's it's taken us, I guess, a bit of time to get to this point, but, you know, we, we have some back of the envelope calculations that we can do to sort of understand, you know, uh, an install is generally worth this much to us. Um, and that may fluctuate from season to season. Uh, you can imagine that an NFL user uh, or someone we acquire during NFL season is going to be a little bit more valuable than somebody we acquire during, you know, baseball season, just because uh, NFL tickets are that much more expensive. So, uh, you know, we, we have, you know, some back of the envelope calculations for how much we're, we're willing to spend um, per install. And then, uh, you know, obviously we look at, uh, you know, weekly return on ad spend and among other things to see if, if our general uh, hypotheses are, are supported by the data that we're looking at. Interesting. So uh, a, a lot of the companies that we work with uh, put a, a big focus on post-install engagement. Um, and yet it sounds like your starting point with the marketing team is look at the installs, look at cost per install, uh, look at return on ad spend. How much focus do you guys put on post-install engagement or in your case, registering, adding to cart, making a purchase? Yeah, um, we, we definitely like to put a lot of emphasis on there. Um, and we're, we're working on refining that process uh, at SeatGeek at the moment. Uh, so retargeting and re-engagement is I guess something that we would consider a, a relatively weak point of our marketing strategy, and we're, we're refining it and trying to make it uh, much more robust, um, you know, sort of more comparable to what we do on the acquisition front. Um, but uh, I mean, we, we know that getting people to register um, and, you know, do things with the app uh, make them much more valuable users to us in the long run. So, uh, you know, if you look at our average value per user, um, it's about a tenth or less of what, you know, the average user's value is, you know, once they've registered and, and made their first purchase, uh, you know, the value goes up dramatically. Sure, sure. So uh, to, to that point, what does a quality mobile user look like to you guys? Yeah, um, so we want to see somebody who's, you know, interacting with the app, you know, fairly regularly, uh, you know, responds positively to push notifications. Um, tracks artists and performers, um, you know, teams, uh, you know, just anybody who gets involved. Um, and then somebody, I guess, you know, that's obviously making purchases is, you know, more valuable. That sounds kind of silly, but, you know, making a purchase on the app is the best indication to us that they're going to make another purchase. So uh, we, <laughs> we kind of, you know, double down on those users, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense actually. So, I mean, to that point, you know, here you're running all your all these app install campaigns. Are there some strategies that you found work best to convert installs into active, engaged users buying buying tickets? Um, yeah. So, so there's certain you know optimization techniques that we use. Uh, one of the things that we try and do is uh, just have really well targeted creative during our app install campaigns. So if we're running um, campaigns, you know, sort of across the country rather than just have really generic creative, if we can geo-target it around you know, major sports hubs, uh, that 
that helps us see a lot more value, uh, you know, down the line from our users. So, um, you know, people who live in Boston uh, are going to see a lot of, you know, NFL Patriots ads during the fall, and they're going to see a lot of Red Sox ads in the spring. Um, and, uh, you know, like the idea being, you know, obviously like somebody who's going to be interested in the Red Sox is going to respond much more favorably to an ad that seems really well targeted to a Red Sox user. And it's like, you know, as opposed to seeing something that's, uh, you know, more high level branding, like, oh, you know, download the app because we do sports well. Like, um, it's much more valuable to say to somebody, uh, download the app because we do, we sell really good deal tickets for the Red Sox. Right. So it, right. The more you can personalize the ads themselves based upon, uh, teams, specific teams or anything, or even, uh, musicians that people like, then you're seeing that those types of ads perform better. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. And that perform better from a, uh, from a, a conversion perspective in, in getting in converting installs into paying customers. Definitely. Yeah. Um, cool. It's it's something we've seen sort of time and time again that the more targeting that we can apply to our ads, the uh, the better they will perform. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, is there any one thing that you guys have done this past year to better monetize your app? Uh, has there been like a a product feature or an enhancement maybe maybe you've rolled out or uh, any sort of uh, in app optimization that you've made that's uh, helping to better monetize? Definitely. Um, so the one thing that I would point to is uh, SeatGeek Checkout. Um, so when we initially started as a company, um, you know, we we showed all of the tickets on our site, but you didn't actually make the transaction happen on the site or in the app. So you would, uh, instead of, um, you know, clicking on a ticket and saying, I want this, and then you, you know, sort of check out, you know, with two or three taps using Apple Pay or, you know, whatever you you're more comfortable doing, um, you would actually be taken to a mobile site uh, for one of our, our broker partners um, and you could buy the ticket there. And uh, as a result of having SeatGeek checkout where people you know make the transaction in the app, uh, it's a much more seamless process and it's uh, converting a whole lot better than, than what uh, our app used to do. So um, it's, it's a really cool thing that our dev team has put a lot of resources into. Um, and we're finally, uh, you know, have SeatGeek checkout rolled out across all of our markets and on both apps. So that yeah. was the one thing that I can point to that's for sure had a huge effect on conversion rates. Yeah, n no doubt. A, uh, a, uh, a seamless checkout process, I think, is, is key for, for any consumer on mobile these days. And, you know, you, so it's interesting. You've brought up Apple Pay a couple of times now. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of Apple Pay. I uh, uh, like of using Apple Pay for making purchases uh, like, uh, you know, in app, uh, not just in the store. And, and in fact, the first time that I used it was making a purchase within the Staples app. And once I discovered it and I found how easy it was, I've been a huge, huge advocate of it ever since. Um, but surprisingly, you, you don't see a whole lot of mobile apps supporting Apple Pay as of yet. Yeah, um, I mean, we've found that it's it's um, you know hugely valuable to us to have it integrated. Um, you know, it's not necessarily true that you know everybody uses it, but it's a, a non-trivial percentage of people that are 
on the app or using Apple Pay, and it's it's just a lot easier to make a purchase, um, you know, rather than enter your credit card information you know, a whole bunch of times and uh, you know having it stored, you know, on a third party site or whatever. Um, it's it's much easier, and people tend to trust Apple, you know, a little bit more than they might of you know an app that they've just downloaded. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely something that's uh, you know been helpful to us, and I think our our users have responded very positively to it. Um, it's it's certainly not the only way to check out on SeatGeek, but it, it definitely streamlines the process for people. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, so what do people love about using SeatGeek? Like, what, what's the thing that they love most about your app? Yeah, I mean, I I would say it's hard to point to just one thing, but I think like the the experience on SeatGeek is, is really unparalleled on mobile right now. Um, you know, we have tickets to basically every event in the country. Um, we have a lot of inventory at those events. Um, so, and you can cross compare. So, you know, like whether you're getting a good deal on tickets or not. Um, uh, and I think that that's all really valuable to users. And, you know, now that we have this seamless checkout process, we've sort of got the whole package on that front. You know, like uh, there's, there's certainly other ticketing apps out there. Uh, but I think we've we've really focused on the user experience a lot more than maybe the venue experience or sort of the broker experience, um, uh, and that's that's had uh, you know a huge amount of dividends for us. Uh, just really making sure that when a, a customer is on the site, uh, that they have as good of an experience as possible buying tickets, so that they're they're not burdened by you know the actual act of buying tickets, which, you know, can be a huge headache sometimes. So if if that's not like pulling teeth, um, you know, we've we've found that it's it's led to people converting a lot better. Sure. So yeah, you got me thinking. I mean there's there's definitely a lot of companies that are that, that you share the space with. Um, yeah. I mean with that being said, what like, what do you find has been sort of the the biggest challenge that you guys have faced in marketing your apps? Yeah, so um, there are a couple things, uh, but I would say one big challenge we have is that we, you know, don't charge a commission to users, uh, unlike a lot of other ticketing apps. Uh, and uh, one other thing is that you know our commission is a lot smaller on the back end. So you know when we're um, any transaction we make on our site is is also a transaction for somebody else, and they're going to make, you know, a much higher commission uh, than we will. You know, even though we get paid, they'll also get paid. So uh, I guess one of the big things that we've run into is that you know we may not be able to bid as aggressively as some of our competitors. Uh, so we just have to be a little bit more intelligent about um, the strategies that we pursue aggressively, and um, you know what's you know doing well. Um, and so if we fail at something, we want to fail quickly so that we're not, um, you know, overspending on installs. Um, so we've, we've kept the team pretty lean. Um, and that's been, I guess, a relatively large challenge is making sure that we're not, um, overspending. It's, I, I would imagine that a lot of people that will be listening to this will be, will, can relate, you know, so many of the marketers that we've been speaking with. Uh, they talk a lot about having a very lean marketing team and having to do a lot with a little. So uh, I think it's I think it's good that even even at C a company like SeatGeek, 
to know that you guys are having to run lean and efficiently to make it work. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we've got, you know, reasonably deep pockets at this point. So it's, it's kind of a, a situation where we, we want to be efficient with the money, but we want to scale up as well. So we're, uh, we're trying to figure out what's working and if it's working, we're going to throw a lot of money at it. And if it's not working, we want to know that as quickly as possible so that we're not, um, you know, just blowing through all of our funding. Yeah, that's good. Um, on a different topic entirely. So, uh, we've we've been hearing for a while now, certainly from a lot of the companies that we work with, that there there's a sense of being overly dependent on Facebook for for app installs and for acquiring users, and that they've been increasingly looking to diversify into other channels. I mean, that's one of the one of the things that we found as companies approach us. This is one of the reasons why that they've been putting all their eggs in uh, or most of their eggs in one basket, and when they approach liftoff. Uh, one of the reasons is that they are looking to diversify, and then uh, with us, uh, you know, it's, it's to work with a company that focuses on acquiring users that will engage post, uh, you know, uh, post install. But what are your thoughts about uh, this sort of overdependence on Facebook? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, something we're not insensitive to. I mean, there was the announcement a while ago that was you know, later rescinded uh, that that Facebook would be passing back less information on users. And I think the industry collectively had a heart attack about that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we spend, you know, a huge percentage of our marketing budget on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, and it's always, you know, alarming, you know, when they're not performing well, because uh, we haven't found something that will, you know, achieve the same amount of scale as either of those channels. Um, and so that was definitely one of the reasons that we pursued uh, our relationship with Liftoff in the first place. Uh, and it's it's been great for us. Like we've seen a really impressive amount of scale. And, you know, there were, uh, you know, a number of weeks, you know, over the course of our relationship with Liftoff where it did account for a majority of our spend uh, in a given week. And, you know, it, when when one channel failed us, it was really great and really reassuring to know that we still had uh, something else, you know, in our back pocket that could say, um, you know, hey, we're we're not, you know, squandering our time and we're we're still driving valuable installs um, on the app, uh, even if it's not on a traditional channel. That's uh, great to hear that. Yeah. And, and and there's no, uh, you're not being paid to say this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great plug for liftoff. Appreciate it. And and in fact, it's something that we've been we've heard consistently over the last few weeks that. Um, you know, scale has been one of the biggest challenges, and it's one of the reasons why companies put so much into Facebook is is because of the targeting, the ability to scale. Uh, but uh, with rising CPIs and uh, withholding more and more information, that uh, these are seem to be the main reasons why why marketers are looking to diversify on Facebook. And but the challenge always comes down to scale. It's very easy to find pockets of users here and there working with different partners, but who can scale? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a big trick. Yeah. Uh, the, so the holidays are coming up. I mean, it's uh, we're not too far away. I know that as we roll into September and October, a lot of companies are feeling the pressure. Uh, how important are the holidays to your business? Yeah, um, that's that's a really good question. And I think it's one of the things that we're uh, relatively lucky uh, to be divorced from to a certain extent at SeatGeek. Um, so, you know, I guess like the biggest thing we try to do around, uh, you know, Christmas time. Oh, Nick. 
sure that it's uh, really slick that we get great app placement um, uh, in in the stores. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, December isn't the craziest time for live events. Um, you know, there's there's some NFL playoff stuff happening, and you know, uh, some NBA stuff is starting to happen. But it's it's not our most valuable time of year by any means. Uh, so our calendar year is sort of a little bit different than I guess like a traditional e-commerce uh, site or app would be. Um, so uh, we're we're fortunate in that. Um, you know, that's the most expensive time to buy ad inventory, and we we don't need to buy as much in December as some of our competitors do, or I mean, not our competitors, but as other people in the market do. So uh, we're we're somewhat insulated from you know increased price per install um, in in the holiday season. That's a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. We've spoken with a number of uh, marketers of mobile commerce apps and of course they've got a very different story yeah i can imagine yeah in fact uh, the ones that we've been speaking with they for them the holidays kick off in september yeah i believe that yeah so are there i mean is there anything that you guys do differently during the holidays um so we we always like to experiment um you know in some years we we've sort of said you know like uh, let's just try and drive the same number of installs in December as we try and drive the rest of the year, um, you know, sort of regardless of what it costs to see if they're more valuable at that time of year. Uh, and generally speaking, like we, we haven't seen the return, um, you know, pan out that way. So we're, we're generally pretty cautious um, spenders around the holidays just because we know we're getting crowded out um, by people in all kinds of other industries, you know, uh, everybody wants all the inventory they can get and they're, they're relatively um, inelastic when it comes to price. So they're, they're really increasing the price of inventory for everyone. Uh, I guess like the most important time of year for us is, you know, a month later in January, you know, sort of gearing up for the Super Bowl. Um, so we, we kind of have our big spending push a month after everyone else, um, which I guess is also fortunate because, you know, inventory is a little bit cheaper after the holidays. Yeah, it's a good situation for you to be in. Yeah, very lucky. Yeah, very good. Um, so let me ask you, now you, how long have you been working in mobile use acquisition? Um, I, so I started working in mobile acquisition uh, when I started at SeatGeek about a year ago. Um, prior to that, I was a consultant in Chicago. Um, uh, it seemed like a pretty interesting uh, you know, industry. You know, I had done some research on it and uh, seemed like a good fit for somebody with my skill set. So that was uh, kind of why I tried to make the leap. Um, and and uh, I know this is not a, a question uh, that, that I asked you or that, that we put on the list, but what, what, it, what would you say are, are skills that you have that made you feel like you're a good fit to work in the mobile space? Sure. I mean, I, like I'm generally pretty quantitative by nature. I, you know, I, I don't accept things at face value. Uh, you know, that's kind of a cheesy one, but you know, like you gotta be inquisitive. You gotta stress test things as much as possible. And you know, if something's going wrong, you have to, you know, I guess like confront it and work to, to figure out um, what you can do to make it better or, or is this sort of the new status quo and are we gonna have to reevaluate um, plans and decisions and stuff? And uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of the big takeaway is, uh, you know, 
always be testing. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, actually leads me to to my next question, which is uh, you know there's a lot of marketers out there who are marketing non-gaming apps, and which essentially from our perspective means that there's not a ton of support out there, not a ton of conferences, not a ton of research uh, for marketers who have uh, maybe a subscription-based app or a mobile commerce app. So, uh, given the experience that you've that you've gathered in the past in the past year or so, uh, well, you know, it, what's what's like one piece of advice that we give to other marketers who are really just getting into the space of marketing a non-gaming app? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think something that's uh, tricky for us is uh, you know sort of finding your market and sort of understanding. Uh, where are you going to be providing a lot of value? So uh, one of the big distinctions that we have, uh, you know, with our app respect to with respect to gaming apps, is that we really can't market in other countries. So uh, there's a pretty robust secondary ticket market in the U.S., um, but that doesn't really exist in other countries. So uh, we we very much focus um, on U.S. acquisition. Um, and tried to be as robust as possible in that space. Um, uh, you know, there's you know obviously other differences. You know, people go on gaming apps and they uh, you know interact with them much more aggressively than you would on sort of an e-commerce app. So, um, you know, understanding the pacing with which you should you know be in touch with your users and uh, you know reach out to them some push notifications or, or emails. Um, you know, it's there's not as much literature, I don't think, uh, for non-gaming apps. Uh, so it's just kind of, uh, there's more experimentation that's involved. Um, and, you know, again, like, you gotta, gotta fail on your own, I guess, rather than rely on sort of a wealth of industry knowledge to, to support you. Yeah, it's, this is this is a common theme amongst uh, amongst the marketers that we've been interviewing. Is uh, a very popular piece of advice is to test and test and just keep testing. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've made in mobile marketing? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's there's I guess quite a few that I've made. Um, but you know, I again like it's it's about sort of recovering and and uh, moving pass quickly uh, when you do make a mistake. Um, you know, there were a handful of tests that I felt, you know, pretty excited about um, that, you know, some of the more experienced people on my team uh, were, you know, maybe less enthusiastic about pursuing. Um, uh, and, you know, I was, you know, pretty junior at this point, um, and I really wanted to test them out anyway. So they're like, yeah, sure, you know, like, you'll have a small budget, but uh, you can see what happens, uh, and, you know, um, Go from there, uh, and so I ran a couple tests uh, back in the fall that were just abject failures. Um, and I think part of it was that I was over managing one of the channels. So I, you know, as soon as I saw, you know, even the slightest positive result on, you know, sort of uh, sub publishers and stuff on this certain channel, uh, you know, I was like, oh, let's let's throw all our money at those, uh, you know, without really waiting for a statistically significant sample. Um, uh, so I think if there's a lesson there, you know, like it's, it's be patient, you know, run a full test before you uh, try and you know, draw any conclusions. Um, and that's, um, I don't know, if there's a lesson, I guess it's that. 
Yeah, it's good advice. I, I know that I've been guilty of doing that myself in the past, getting very, very excited about the results that you see without them being statistically significant and shifting budget when uh, probably you shouldn't have. Yeah, um, that's, that's probably the thing that I've been most guilty of in my tenure here. Yeah, it's a good one. What do you like most about your job? Um, I, I mean, it's it's corny, but I really love the people I work with. They're uh, you know all really smart. They're they're hardworking, and they're they're gonna push me, and you know I'll push them to to be as robust with their testing, and you know as as analytical about a problem as possible. Um, so uh, there's never really a point where we've been complacent about anything, and so we're always always striving to do better than we currently are doing. So, uh, you know, it's okay. You had something that was really successful. What's next? Like, how are we going to make it even better? Um, or, you know, what's something that we haven't tried pursuing as a channel yet. And, uh, like, what can we do to make that a reality? Um, so, you know, offline marketing has become a big thing for us recently. Um, and, you know, just trying to figure out one, how to test it and two, know seeing the results of the tests and how we can make them more successful are are pretty mission critical for us um and we're trying to move from being just an app that you know people use to buy tickets to being uh you know a household name really in the ticketing space and so always always trying to scale up always trying to to do better and you know being with the team of people that's that's pushing you to do that is is crucial that's great. That's great. You know, I want to actually go back to something that you mentioned earlier uh, uh, on uh, in the discussion, and that is uh, you brought up retargeting and reengagement. Yeah. So I guess I mean, there's lots of things I could ask, but ultimately, like, what is the role of retargeting campaigns or reengagement campaigns? And uh, you know, in fact, I'd almost ask you like, what do you, what's the difference between retargeting and reengagement, and uh, how do you guys leverage all of that? Yeah, um, so I guess what I would say is that retargeting is sort of a subcategory of re-engagement where, um, you know, retargeting are, you know, the ads that you serve all over the place uh, at your users or people who have been to your site, um, trying to get them to go back. Uh, and then re-engagement sort of also encompasses, you know, emails, push notifications, and other ways of trying to get people to re-engage with your app. Um, uh, and I guess, like, really... The purpose is, you know, you're trying to to drive more value from each user, right? So uh, if nobody's using your app, it's not going to be very valuable. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a little different from, you know, what we do on mobile acquisition. It's very easy to say, like, very quickly, okay, we were able to get this many installs for this amount of money. Um, was that a good deal or a bad deal? Um, with retargeting, you know, it, it takes a little bit more patience. Um you know, because it's it's just kind of always reminding people, you know, like making sure that you're in the back of their mind uh, you know, in the event that they want to go to another concert or football game or something. You know, you want to make sure that you're the first place that they check out um, rather than, you know, have them shop around at a million other places. You really want to be top of mind for that kind of thing. So uh, that's that's really the role that, that retargeting and reengagement plays. And, you know, um, it's a tricky space because, you know, the return that you see on retargeting and re-engagement affects the long-term value of your users that you get 
you know, through acquisition channels. So you got to be um, aware of that as you're bidding on users. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess, it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Several marketers that we spoke with uh, last week uh, had a, a very similar philosophy when it comes to re-engagement. Uh, in fact, when it comes to user acquisition, and you know what they said is they see mobile UA as getting people to install an app as the mm -hmm. first step in building a relationship with them. And then they see leveraging specifically retargeting ads to effectively onboard those users and get them actively engaging with their app. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's pretty spot on. Um, we try and supplement with email and push notifications as well. Um, and you know, like uh, I guess emails are really valuable because it's it's um, possible to put more information into an email than you would be able to do, uh, you know, with like a mobile interstitial ad or something, um, or you know, a banner ad, you know, which maybe you can fit half a sentence on. Um, so you know, like trying to educate people on the like benefits. Of, of using an app uh, are, I guess, more in the domain of uh, non-retargeting re-engagement. Um, and then ads are great for just keeping keeping our name sort of top of mind and you know associating it with with the performers that users are specifically interested in. Yeah. So uh, as you as you look out. Uh, like as you look into the future of mobile marketing, what do you see as the next big thing that's coming, or maybe it's it's almost here, or maybe it's a few years away? Like from sitting where you're sitting at SeatGeek, what what are your thoughts about the next big thing in mobile marketing? Yeah, um, that's a great question, um, and maybe this is a short-sighted answer, or, or you know, uh, backwards-looking answer. But I think video is is going to be crucial moving forward. Um, you know, you just are able to convey a lot more information about your app and your product uh, in a 15-second video than you'd be able to do with any kind of uh, interstitial ad or, or, you know, a static piece of creative. Um, uh, and it's it's something that we're trying to figure out um, and really nail. Um, and I think as a complement to that, just retargeting and re-engagement in general is going to be uh, really crucial. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty clear that the cost per install uh, that you would have to pay on basically any channel is uh, is going to go up, and it's going to keep going up. So it's it's not like you can drive uh, dollar installs really anymore um, uh, without you know compromising sort of the the quality of the inventory that you're getting. Um, so you know, figuring out um, where you're going to be able to get more value is is crucial. Yep. Yeah, video video comes up quite a lot. So does that mean that you guys are actively producing a series of videos that you're running, testing for mobile user acquisition? Uh, yeah, we have one or two videos that are in circulation right now um, that we're you know, satisfied with but not thrilled with. And I think we really want to put you know some more resources towards that. You know, we've got an in-house design team that's working pretty hard to come up with some storyboards so that we can have something that we're they're really proud to show off to you know the world, I guess. Um, and uh, you know we we see it as a huge opportunity um, that we have yet to capitalize on, but it's uh, you know it's definitely in the pipeline for us. 
Yes. Yes, it is for a lot, a lot of companies these days. Uh, I've got a few more questions for you. Um, the first is, I'm curious. So when you decided to work with Liftoff, what were some of the challenges that you guys were facing that, that led you to, to reach out to us or to work with us? Yeah, I mean, so I guess one of the things is that, you know, as I said, we're always trying to test new things here. Um, you know, we had heard uh, very promising things about Liftoff from a number of people. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to have sort of a diversified, you know, pipeline of people where we could run ads. Um, and so, uh, you know, we talked to Liftoff and uh, we had a really great rapport with them. Uh, we started with a small test um, and it went pretty well. And we sort of have continued uh, to improve upon the results from that test and scale up and, and get to, to where we are now. Um, and so I guess like for some perspective, you know, we, maybe drove uh, 300 installs back in the fall when we first started. Um, and now we're driving at least that many a day. Um, so wow. it's, it's scaled up, you know, very dramatically, um, just you know, as a function of it working out really well for us. Um, so we're, again, really happy with liftoff, um, you know, kind of, it took a while to, you know, like scale up, but once we did, we've been really happy with the results. So that's great. Good, good to hear. Uh, last question. You are one of our mobile heroes. Uh, oh, who's your favorite superhero? Um, I don't know. I, I got to say I really like Batman. Um, I think he's, he's sort of a more complex uh, superhero than, than a lot of the other ones. He's kind of got a dark side. He's uh, you know, not, all, um, not all happy and joyful, not sort of overly invincible. He's kind of a... He's got a sense of realism about him that uh, few other superheroes do. So I, I like that about him. Cool. Yeah, you know, I, the Wolverine just does not get a lot of love. <laughs> is, is he your favorite? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I, like, I like the mutants. Yeah. Yeah, X-Men's definitely a, a pretty cool, cool story. Um, you know, <laughs> it gets tinkered with quite a bit though these days. So uh, it's it's hard to yes, keep up does. with. Yes, it does. Well, like listen, it. Nick, I, I really appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, thank you so much. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Definitely. Uh, great talking to you too, Dennis. I uh, hope you have a great day. All right. Thanks.